Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. Janet Ziak is with us today. I met Janet at the Creative Ohio Advocacy Summit earlier this year and was impressed with her story and vision. She founded North Point Ballet in 2016 with the mission of making classical ballet accessible to everyone. Janet is particularly passionate about reaching underserved populations and working with the special needs community as a result of her personal encounters with autism within her own family. The latter was the inspiration for programming sensory-friendly theatrical performances and art education workshops. We'll make sure to link to the North Point Ballet website in the show notes so you can read all the great things Janet and her team are doing. Janet, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is part two of our interview with Janet Ziak. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sort of realizing that we haven't really asked you to just give us a rundown of the various programs and classes and that sort of thing, uh, those sorts of things that you do. Uh, we've talked about a couple specifically, but, um, you know, just give us a rundown of sort of what, what all the different classes and programs that you have at North Point. Sure. So um, we are first and foremost a professional company and not a school. So I think that there is a lot of um, okay. uh, people who might think, oh, ballet, you must be students. And there are right. students in our cast, but our main uh, focus is these main stage productions that we have in the professional company. Like I said, the, the contracted dancers. Now we have a lot of students performing and they audition from all kinds of local studios. So when we put on the Nutcracker, there will be students representative of 12 different local dance studios that perform roles of mice and soldiers and, you know, all of the children's roles alongside the professionals. Beyond that, we have our three mission initiatives, the first of which is a sensory friendly initiative, and that is um, as Nick mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, the the foundational um, mission initiative, which was initially to serve um, individuals on the autism spectrum, giving them an opportunity to experience um, a, a ballet and a theater um, production in a way that was. Um, comforting and and comfortable for them in a sensory friendly environment from there. So, you know, so we dedicated one performance and still do one, one show is a sensory friendly performance for any of our productions from there. That initiative um, expanded into offering opportunities for 
um, individuals with special needs to have performing opportunities and not just an opportunity to be in the audience. So um, I do have a um, qualified and trained staff to be able to accommodate, train the the dancers and, um, you know, integrate them into rehearsals with the rest of the cast so that they can participate and, and get to feel what it's like to be, you know, in costume and performing for their family and friends. And that um, it started with just one or two yeah. per show and expanded into now we have partner organizations where we go to um, various organizations that are for um, individuals with special needs. Um, so then we can have groups of dancers on stage all at once. Yeah. So we have a, a Lorraine County division, a Cuyahoga County division, and then a community division where anybody, if they're not affiliated with those partners, can audition and perform with us. So that's that's our sensory-friendly initiative. Um, as I spoke earlier about our community engagement initiative, that, that tour where we take excerpts yeah. of our um, full-length ballets and we bring the professional dancers that are all fully costumed and, you know, with scripts and, and everything into... Um, into schools and nursing homes and libraries, et cetera. We also have um, our on-site education program that we that we discussed earlier. So those are the three. Yeah. And the on-site education program that's year-round. Um, for the most part, yeah. yeah. We have a, a fall session and a spring session, oh, okay. and then uh, summer, summer, depending yeah. on yeah. Um, the interest of the the partner sites. Yeah. Um, we've also found that. Um, you know, typical dance studios, you sign up in September and you go through May and you're committed for a whole year. And that um, doesn't work for a lot of families that are, you know, dealing with circumstances, you know, that maybe doesn't allow for that. So um, while it is a it poses additional challenges of, you know, for me to find teachers that can, you know, have these little sessions and, you know, have a contract and then not have a contract, you know, um, so there are, there are challenges, but, um, it is having these shorter sessions does does serve that yeah. community. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I think better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on average, how many? Uh, I'm assuming they're student aged, uh, but how many people would you have in those in those classes? Um, right now, we have two levels at our community okay. sites, and each you know I think the younger levels are usually more full, so maybe fifteen. Okay. Um, in the younger level, and then maybe 10 at a higher level. Gotcha. Yeah. Listening to you speak, it, it, it just makes me wonder, do you work with nationwide organizations such as Autism Speaks or similar organizations to kind of get your message out or maybe help others who want to create something similar? I do not. And I think that this almost goes back to that. I don't see myself as an entrepreneur or a leader. I'm just, I'm a mom and I'm a dancer and I'm doing what's best for my kid and I'm doing what's best (laughs) for my people and my community. Um, You're not the first person to suggest that. I think that, um, you know, again, with my, my experience, it's like, I'm very confident in the dance studio. Like I, I feel like, you know, I know what I'm doing, but beyond the dance studio, I, I think I lack the confidence to maybe yeah. reach out and and, and make those yeah. those phone calls. And, sure. and, and now to, yeah. to be clear, I wasn't necessarily suggesting that. I was just, what you're sure. doing is inspirational. <laughs> and if other people yeah. know, that might inspire them to do something or maybe even have Well, you thank in. you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, and I think I think we see that a lot with you know artists who start ventures, right? They they're doing what they know how to do, and because they want to do it in a way that they want to do it, right? It's not necessarily your goal to scale a program or to have whatever, right? It's just that's just not where you are right now, which makes total sense. Right. Yeah. Um, and so with all of those programs, um, the the company with the productions and and all the other uh, sort of outreach types of programs you have. Are there? What are you thinking about for North Point? Not to put you on the spot here, but are you, what are you thinking about for North Point uh, in the future? Any new opportunities or gaps you want to fill, or uh, productions you want to do, or anything like that? Um, you know that that's tough because right now I feel like everybody in our organization is kind of operating at their max capacity. Okay. So when we hear something like, oh, what's next? What are the <laughs> new opportunities? What are all the great things you can do? We're kind of like, oh, um, yeah. can we just pump the brakes yeah. <laughs> right now? Um, we are actually, we just uh, began a strategic planning process okay. that's kind of going to guide us through the next three years. And um, cool. for the next three years, we really just want to focus on what we have and what we're doing yeah. Um, and do them really well and make sure that all of our staff are taken care of because burnout is real yeah, and right. I don't want to lose people. Um, I, and that's not to say that there will never be opportunities, sure. you know, in the short term future that we're we're not going to take advantage of. But and I, I need to think the reason that we are in this position is because, you know, we've said yes to so many things that, like, yes, that's a great opportunity. Yes, we can do that. Um, we just have to be a little bit more picky yeah. about what to say yes to. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that, I think just doing what we do and, and doing it really well yeah. is, is what's up next for us in the next three years, at least. Yeah. And yeah, especially, you know, sort of people getting their legs back under them after the two years of COVID and, st st you know, stuff that we've, we've been dealing with. I think, I think you're right. Yeah just kind of yeah it's, it's hard to it's hard to plan even now yeah. you know we think we've we've passed it but mindsets have changed it's, it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well and just at the time of this recording i heard that there's a a major school district in the in the u.s that's going back to masking yeah yeah oh we had cast members that were rehearsed for 12 weeks yeah. that couldn't <sighs> perform you know we we had our wizard of oz production mm. um just very recently yeah. and I had to replace three people Jeez. that were you know just Okay, you're in quarantine for five days, yeah. so understudies are in. That that definitely was a lesson that oh, yeah. <laughs> we learned. Is hopefully it wasn't take your understudy role seriously because that yeah. you will go on stage. <laughs> hopefully it wasn't the lion, scarecrow, or tin man. Oh, it was the wizard title <laughs> role? He spends most of the time behind the curtain. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you? Um, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Nick. <laughs> no, go ahead. Are you? Um, are you getting? help with the strategic plan from someone or someone like another board member volunteer, something like that. Uh, Cause that can be a tough process if it's the first time you've done it. Um, right. Yes. Um, good question. We did um, hire a consultant. Okay. Um, I think in, you know, board members, we had uh, novice strategic okay. plans in the, in the past. And I think we were ready for like, okay, we need, we need something solid. We ready for, um, you know, to kind of take the, take the next step. Sure. So our board agreed to hire someone and we were um, fortunate enough to receive grant funding oh, for yeah. the, that will cover the consultant great. fees. Yeah. So before we get to the last uh, three questions we ask everyone, I, I had one more question and it's about sales. 
And I get that you're a nonprofit. I get that, you know, you maybe don't see yourself as a salesperson, but you are in sales, right? So you have services, different things. And Mm -hmm. Andy's heard me say this a bunch of times. So at the risk of boring him, this isn't video, so we don't have to see Mm -hmm. the eye rolls. I I think there are two types (laughs) of salespeople, right? You have order takers, sales generators. Order takers have a, basically it's a passive approach. It's, It's like fishing, right? And sales generators take an active approach, so more like hunting. And, and based on your success, I imagine you're more of a sales generator. So for our listeners who want to create a company similar to North Point, could you tell them how you sell North Point Ballet to people? Um, well, I'm going to actually argue that I'm both an order taker and a sales generator um, for the reason that... I produce a nutcracker, and this phenomenon that is the nutcracker is um, one that does not need an aggressive approach, honestly. Um, If there's something about this ballet that really touches nostalgia in people, and when there was no nutcracker, it was, you know... COVID or not, like that was the end of the world, like when people could not get their nutcrackers. So um, I think that was a, a, you know, a moment for me of like, okay, this is, you know, we all knew that the nutcracker sells tickets and that's every ballet company's bread and butter. That's why every ballet company does the nutcracker is because it will more or less sell tickets on its own. Now, where we come in as, as sales generators, if you will, is um, to get people to our Nutcracker versus the other <laughs> 20 Nutcrackers that they could go to anywhere in the country. Um, but getting, uh, selling our product um, to me is really just making it accessible in a different way. So not accessible in that we're serving an underprivileged community, but accessible in that People who are there understand it and want to come back. So I think that ballet has gotten this um, reputation of being boring and elitist. Um, And I am trying to break down those barriers because ballet is really fun. Like it's entertaining. It's entertainment. That's what we are. We're in the entertainment industry. Um, So for our our ballets, I integrate live narration. Mm. So there are actors that are actually speaking lines throughout the, the ballet. So while the focus is on the dancing, the people that are in the audience that might not understand yeah. or be familiar with the story mm-hmm. can follow the story. Um, we also make sure that um, you know the dancers are trained in acting as well as dancing. So, And then I, when I choreograph, sometimes take out all of the... Um, I don't know, some of the things that might be viewed as boring that while are very technically impressive that myself as a trained dancer and other trained dancers out there, like they want to see the Black Swan do 32 fuetes, watching the same spin happen 32 times in a row. If you don't know how hard it is, it's boring. And a lot of the other like really um, famous classical pieces um while while very impressive, don't connect with our community. You know, I think that it's important for any marketing or business um, entrepreneur, I'll use the word, um, to really understand Baby who steps. you're serving. What's your pop- <laughs> what's your what's your population? What are the people um, 
what's your audience going to be like? You have to know your audience. And if you are in New York City and you have a, a ballet educated audience, you can do those kinds of ballets. Yeah. But I am not going to sell Swan Lake. Yeah. I'm going to sell Wizard of Oz. Right. You know, I'm not going to sell La Corsair. I'm going to sell Peter Pan. And so making those choices and making the productions itself mm-hmm. speak to our audience um, is, is, I think, how I sell yeah. our product. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, this, this question came up, and I kind of alluded to it in, uh, in the intro. You, when you were on that panel for Creative Ohio, I, everything you were saying, it was impassioned, and you could see you had a mission. You had, it was essentially, for lack of a better word, it was a pitch. You were selling North Point Ballet. And that's what prompted me to reach out to you after I talked talking with Andy, you know, about guests on the program and stuff. So that's, so I don't know if you yeah. acknowledge that or not, but to me, you were selling that program. Yeah. Well, well, thanks. I, um, I, this sounds so cliche, but I genuinely do really love what I do. Yeah. Like I am genuinely very passionate about it and can talk forever <laughs> about it just because I love it so much yeah. and this is my life and this is what I want to do and um, I feel very fortunate to be able to do it. So That's great. Thank you. Yeah. And Jan- Janet, I'm a, I'm a bass player, so your example about the uh, the black swan doing 32 spins, <laughs> the only the only the only other people that find that interesting or I shouldn't say the only other, but particularly people who know how difficult that is are the ones that enjoy it the most. And I always think of bass solos the exact same way. The only people that like bass solos are other bass players um, <laughs> or people who, who, yeah, anyways. So, so that's why, that's one why five, I don't do one, them too. Five, one, five. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, so, so Nick uh, is not, not a bass solo fan there. That's fine. <laughs> anyways. That's not true. Um, that's not true. Well, um, Janet, we've reached the <laughs> point in the podcast where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. And the first question is, what advice would you give to others wanting to become an entrepreneur in your art form? Um, I would reiterate that just have patience, um, that things aren't going to be easy, but if you really are passionate about it and it, it will come, just stay true to your mission Um, There are a lot of people who will probably try to derail you from that mission because um, they want, you know, to serve their own interests and their own needs and not necessarily in a a bad way, Um, but you could get pulled in so many directions and and lose your focus. So, you know, have patience and, and stay true to your mission. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? Um, I am I'm still figuring that out, but I am going to keep going. And that's what I would love everybody else to do. I just want you to keep going. It is hard work. Um, it is ty- tireless and things keep changing. And um, it is easy to say, maybe this is not for me. But honestly, if we aren't being that voice, if we're not sticking up for um, uh, for ourselves and for others, um, then you don't know who will. So keep going. And lastly, what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice you've ever been given? Um, the best artistic, I'm going to take artistic sure. advice. Yeah. Um, 
I was, when I was dancing in St. Louis, um, I was given an opportunity. I was like C cast for um, a lead role. And, you know, I was just kind of awestruck by the other two older, more experienced dancers. And I kept, um, you know, I was struggling and I try, was trying so hard to be like them. Mm-hmm. And um, the woman who was coaching me said, stop trying to be like them. Like, just dance how you would dance this role. You know, it's the same choreography, but different dancers will dance it, perform it entirely differently. So I, that was something that as a young dancer, mm-hmm. I needed to hear. Sure. Just be yourself. And again, that's such a cliche thing, but um, that gave me the confidence to, you know, go from C cast to A cast and now from, you know, A cast to a director. And that's what I give, um, the advice that I give to my other dancers, like don't try to be like someone else, just try to be yourself, put your own artistry and your own experiences into whatever role you're given, whether it's on stage or off. Um, and then that's, that's when the success will come. Great advice, great way to end it, and I think we found our uh, soundbite as well, Andy. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Janet, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. (laughs) 